You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. We're going to be talking about the principles of stewardship today. We don't talk a whole lot about, uh, about giving and everything here. We do a little thing before the offering usually. And, but uh, every year we have to have a, one special Sunday or two when we talk about stewardship. Every Christian needs to know and understand what the Bible says about stewardship. Amen? What do God say? If any person teaches different, I would suggest you go with God. Go with the Bible. Even if it sounds good to you. If the Bible says different, go with the Bible. The Bible is our manual for Life and living for physical, spiritual, and financial success. God has laid it all out there. And if we will adhere to what God's word says, it will be beneficial to us. The Bible, which is the word of God, is truth. And if we ignore it or pick and choose what we like and ignore the rest, we're basically on our own. If we're not going to listen to what God says about it, then we have to go with our own imagination and what other people say and hope that they're right. But we know that God is right. We know that his word is truth. Now, next Sunday, uh, Kelly, the, the man who led us in worship this morning, has got an awesome testimony of what God has done in his life through tithing and something that a lot of you never heard of, first fruits, giving. And uh, I've asked him to... Uh, do the message on next Sunday. It was my, I was supposed to preach again next Sunday, but I've asked him, and he suggests that you would bring your Bibles, and a lot of you use your phones today, but um, be prepared to follow him as he shares some scriptures that became very real to him. And he has been instrumental in, uh, in teaching Uh, this message throughout uh, Thailand. He goes there just about every year and and spends some time there and helping the churches there, and God is really blessing over there. And there's a a missionary uh, from uh, the Thailand area, uh, L and Terry? Terry, yeah. What's their last name? Purvis, yes. I, I've, I've met them, and uh, they are awesome people. And, uh, but uh, God blesses us when we adhere to his word. So I would, I would encourage you to come and listen to what, uh, what Kelly has to share with us next week. Uh, stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. It has nothing to do with ownership. If you own something, it's yours. You can do what you like with it. You can squander it. You can let it fall down around your ears. You can have a lovely car and and let it just go and never wash it, never clean it. And it doesn't look its value. 
But when you are a steward, you're stewarding something that belongs to somebody else. We're stewards of what God has given us. In fact, we are stewards of our children. God has given us our children from the cradle till 14 or 15. After that, whatever they've got, they've got from you. And the rest of their lives, they're going to be bombarded with what the world thinks. So you have approximately 14 years to, to teach your children the ways of God. Things that will help them to be good citizens, to be good stewards, to how to handle their money, how to serve God according to his plans and his purposes. Oh, this message is going to be long. I'm just on the introduction here. Stewardship, by biblical definition, simply refers to the management of household and financial matters. In the parable of the talents, Jesus illustrated the concept of stewardship by showing us some key challenges that we face. We often see ourselves as less talented. I can't sing as well as she do, so I will not sing in public, only in the shower. I cannot play a musical instrument like he do, so I will not play my musical instrument in public. We see, we don't think that we have any gifts that's good enough to be used for God's purposes. But listen to what the Word of God says in James 1.17. I don't have that on the overhead, but that's just a note as I was going through, you know. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Your gifts and talents are good, perfect, and useful because they come from God. God don't give junk. And just because you can't sing doesn't mean that you don't have anything to offer to the church. We see our gifts as minimal and, and, and thus our responsibility as little, but that is not so. That's what the enemy of your soul would like you to think. The fact is, we are to be good stewards of our time, our talent, and our money. And we have to, we need to have a good balance of all of these things. It's not law, it's grace. It's not by compulsion, it's out of love, as our brother said during the offering. The love of God that has been shed abroad in each of our lives helps us to want to do something in return. We know we can never repay what he has done for us. But we can show our gratitude. By doing what we can so that the word of God can go forth, by doing what we can so our church can be strong and united and powerful, in our community. Everyone doing a little bit makes a whole lot of difference. 
Consider these statistics. 15% of Christ's recorded words deals with money. 66% of his parables deals with riches and possessions. The Gospels, in the Gospels, one in every 10 verses addresses a financial issue. The Bible as a whole, financially ma financial matters are covered in 2,350 verses. It seems appropriate since finances play such a large role in our everyday lives to consider biblical principles that apply to stewardship in Christian living. It's just reasonable. So the first principle I want to look at today is the principle of ownership. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything belongs to him. I am a steward of all that he has put into my life. This is the fundamental principle of biblical stewardship. He is, this is the, uh, uh, God owns everything. We are God's property, even the gold and the silver of this world are his. The richest man in the world would probably tell you that I have done all of this. I in my genius, I in all of my wisdom, I in all of my knowledge have amassed this great fortune. But, the God, but God's word says it's his. We are simply stewards, managers of what is his acting on his behalf. I'm not responsible for what you do with what you have. What God has put you in charge of. I am responsible for what God has given me. When Dennis and Cindy and Graham were little children, it was my responsibility to raise them for him. And I also have a responsibility for my grandchildren right now. And I'm pouring into their lives. Some of them are serving them. Some of them are not. But I'm not giving up. I've got a responsibility. And I'm showing all of them love and kindness. I'm not coming down on them because they're doing wrong but I'm letting them know that they've got a grandfather who loves them and who cares, who knows Jesus and wants them to know him as well. Romans 14 verse 8 says, If we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. It's talking to Christians. The best is yet to come. You know that, don't you? You're born again. 
And that's why it's so important for Christians to be able to understand how important it is for good stewardship. Because it's going to pay in eternity. My stewardship will depend on somebody knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior. You say, well, I don't have much to give. What I give, you couldn't keep the lights on for half the year. Hey, but listen. Everyone give what you gave. The church wouldn't have a financial problem today. We are all God's creation. But Adam sold us out. Slide four. We all died a spiritual death when Adam sinned. We inherited a sin nature. And in Christ, all who receive him are made alive, born again, redeemed. First Corinthians verse, chapter 15, verses 21 to 22. For since by man came death, by man also came resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That happened for me some 50 years ago over 50 years. I came forward and knelt and asked Jesus to come into my life and I was made alive. The Bible says if anyone be in Christ, they are new creation, a new creature. The old life is passed away and a new life has begun. It is something that we can't fully express, but you know it when it happens. You know it when the transfiction, that transfer, transformation has taken place. You begin to change on the inside. And sometimes, for some of us, people see it right away. Others, it may take a little bit longer. But God is working in our lives. And you know something, just like the little hymn, the a song that they sing in, in, in Sunday school one time. Perhaps they don't do it anymore. God's still working on me to make me what I want, what he wants me to be. It took him, what? <laughs> A week, was it? To make the sun and the stars, the moon and the stars. But he's still working on me. When you get to be 70, just about 78, you forget some words of a song once in a while. <laughs> but he's still working on me. Don't give up. Just because you fell flat on your face this week, don't fall in the dirt and don't say, I'm just, I might as well stay down there because I just can't do it. Yes, you can. God's working on you. As long as you've got a will, as long as you've got a desire to serve Jesus, he will help you through. He'll give you the strength to be. 
the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that you ought to be. We have been brought back from the slavery of sin. Now we belong to Jesus. He paid the price for you and I with his precious blood. Slide five, the principle of responsibility. We are called as God's stewards to manage that which belongs to God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. That's a requirement for every one of us to be faithful. Our responsibility is to manage God's property. Without this foundational perspective, life's work becomes nothing more than selfish pursuit. All that I am and all that I ever hope to be is found in him. The principle of responsibility means we feel the weight of God's generosity, his love, his mercy, his grace, and we respond through thoughtful care in love back to him. I'll be what you want me to be, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. We acknowledge his amazing grace and generous gifts that he gave us to manage. As such, such things as time and talent, our, nat our talent is our natural and our spiritual gifts. Some of you are born with some very beautiful natural gifts. But then as you gave your life to Jesus Christ and he filled you with his Holy Spirit, you have a ton of, nat of spiritual gifts that you can give to his honor and glory as well. And then, of course, your treasure, your money, and your possessions. Like the servants in the parable of the talents, we will be called to give account of how we have administered everything that we have been given time, talent, and treasure we're going to be called to account for it. We acknowledge his amazing grace. A true understanding of stewardship begins with taking care and sh of sharing the gift of time. Time is one of the most precious possessions that we have. How we spend our time is perhaps the, the clearest indication of our progress in a life of Christian stewardship. Time is much more valuable than money. Let me say that again. Some of you are sleeping. <laughs> time is much more valuable than money. We can make poor financial decisions and go bankrupt and recover. Tons and tons of people all over the world have done that. But this is not so with time. Once time is spent, it can never be recovered. It's gone. God gives us the present as a gift to use as good stewards. And this moment will never come back. 
That moment I just spoke about is gone. It will never come back. Every day we have opportunity to serve the Lord and to build up his kingdom. And closely tied to time is talent. You have a voice. Use it for God's glory. You play a musical instrument. Use it for God's glory. You say, well, I can't do very much with it. You know, I just, I'm just like Pastor Hayward. I only know three chords. Three chord strummer. Singing through your nose. Well, listen. You ever hear tell of a thing like practice? Practice makes perfect. You want to be a good guitar player? Get together with someone who knows how to play a guitar, like Brother Landry, Landry, Dennis. Where are you do, Dennis? He's here somewhere. He didn't understand what I said because I said, where are you too? <laughs> the other part of that, stay there, stay where you're too until I come where you're at. I'm talking Newfie now. You have a mechanical, technical leadership skills. Give some of it to the Lord's work. Are you strong, full of energy? We can use you around Coley Community Church. You can do something for the Lord with that. In fact, you can start off when we start delivering the, uh, the Christmas hampers. Some of those you got to go up three or four flights of stairs in apartments. Need strong people. When we offer these gifts for his service, Holy Spirit fires our passion. When you start to steward what God has given you, there is a new life that comes within you. You become passionate about the Lord's work. You will find that you, you're going to want to do something else. You want to spend more time doing something for the Lord. You were never saved. When God saved you, he never intended for you just to come in on Sunday morning, sit down in your seat for a little while, sing a few hymns, go home, and do the same thing next week. That's not God's plan. Because he's a God of love and mercy, because he loves you so much, he's not going to force you to do anything. You can come to Coal Lake Community Church for 20 years, never do a thing. You don't have to give a cent. You don't have to serve in any, anything at all. God will still love you. I don't know what it's going to look like when you die and, and, and you, you'll go to heaven if you're born again. I don't know what kind of a shack you're going to live in. I'm shooting for a mansion myself. <laughs> Folks, there's a lot of things we don't know about eternity. But I know, like the song says, heaven is better than this. I'm really enjoying myself here. I don't know about you. I enjoy every day that I'm alive. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Slide seven. 
Whatever you do for the Lord, do it with excellence. Keep your schedules. If you're serving in some area of the church and you're scheduled to do something, be on time. Follow the rules. Know the rules. Be men and women of integrity. Within the church sometimes, volunteer, probably a, it's not a good word probably to use. We're starting to use serve, serving around here. Okay. But volunteer seems to carry with us the thing where, well, you know, like, I don't have to do it. I'm not getting paid for it. So if I don't turn up, that's okay. But that's not integrity. If you're scheduled to do something, if someone's depending on you to do something this morning, then you need to be here on time. You need to do it with excellence. That's good stewardship. Someone has said stewardship of treasure is not about giving to a need, but rather it is about the need to give. We need to give. We cannot be effective as a church if nobody gives. Many of the parables of Jesus speak to us about money or material possessions. The lost kind, coin, <laughs> kind. The lost coin, the widow's might, the buried treasure, the rich young man and the Good Samaritan, and we could go on and on. Jesus talks about money because he knows how personal it is to us. Stewardship is giving out of our commitment to be Christ-centered rather than self-centered. It's important for us to share our money and our material possessions because all good things that God has made are meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared. We need to return thanks to a loving God for the many blessings that we have received. Giving is an experience of thanksgiving. We are blessed to be a blessing. Every blessing, every good and perfect gift that God has given you was given you to be shared. And so that brings me to my third point, the principle of blessing. The Bible shows us in the parables of the kingdom that faithful stewards who do the master's will with the master's resources can expect to be, reward, be rewarded in this life. Rewarded in this life. Malachi speaks of open heavens, overflowing blessings. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. That's overflowing blessing. Too good to be true, you say. Not if it is written. Not if it's in the word. It's not too good to be true. It is true. It's in the Bible. In Luke we read of the good measure pressed down and running over. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Too good to be true? Not if it is written. Not if it's in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. And you know something? It's not said, 
It's not written to put you down. It's written to lift you up. God is saying, apply the principles of my word. Apply, apply the principles of finances and you will increase. And of course, when we think of return, we usually think of money. It includes money, but it is much more than money. There are people who've got more money than they'll ever, ever spend in their lifetime. And they're spiritually as poor as rats. That's living in a place, in a ghost town where there's no garbage. God has given us these, these wonderful promises that he has set up that will only be beneficial to me if I apply it in my life. Well, I've been applying this ever since I've been, well, long before I was serving the Lord because my mom and dad taught me. When we got our family allowance, that's what it was called then. I don't know what you call it now. Child something, I suppose. But anyway, it was called family allowance at that time. But mom would take 10% of each one. And all of us got, I got so much, I don't know what it was now, but she would take 10% of each of our family allowance and she would give it to us. And that was our offering for Sunday. Of course, closely related here is the principle of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. Every farmer understands the meaning of this principle. We reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow, and we reap later than we sow. Let that sink in. Every farmer understands the meaning of the principle. The principle applies to everyone, both Christian and non-Christian. Wow. Do you know that if a non-Christian, a person who's not serving God, begins to apply these principles to their, to their business, they will see increase? Principle applies to everyone. It's irrevocable. There is no escape either for believer or unbeliever. It is the law of life. Not the law of Moses, the law of life. Sowing includes giving of time, talent, and resources. For today's church to thrive, money is absolutely necessary. The most important contribution to be made is to the Lord's work with promise. Proverbs, slide 10, Proverbs says, Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The fact that we reap what we sow is good news for those who sow good seed in good ground. But there's bad news for those sowing ungodly activities, drugs and alcohol and abuse and neglect of family or mistreatment of others. We cannot sow crabgrass and expect to reap wheat. We cannot sow disobedience to God and expect to reap his blessings. We sow, we reap, and let's not deceive ourselves. I got to skip some of this. I'm going way over here. 
Slide 11. Number four, the principle of giving tithes and offerings. Contrary to some teaching, tithes and offerings did not begin with the Old Testament law. The first mention of tithes was Genesis chapter 14. It was practiced by Abraham. The second mention was in Genesis 28, chapter 28, practiced by Jacob. It was included in the law 400 years after Abraham. 400 years. And it was still going strong, and Moses included it in the law. And 1,500 years after that, after Moses, Jesus reaffirmed tithing in New Testament in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tent of all of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He didn't say you should uh, practice, practice the latter and forget the former. He didn't say don't tithe anymore. He said you should. You should not neglect to tithe. Many argue that the tithe is Old Testament law and do not apply today. Well, verses 13 and 14, or slides 13 and 14 rather, Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. That's how you've robbed me. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he goes and he says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So many people argue that this is Old Testament law and don't apply for today. However, I don't hear anyone using the same argument for the offerings. Remember, God said, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. He said, bring it all into the house of the Lord. Could it be that we have been conditioned to treat offerings as change? We have. I'm not going, I don't have anything to give today, you know, like, but, uh, uh, I'll give a, a loony, or I'll give a toony. That's an offering. Well, let me educate you a little bit here. Under the Old Testament laws, there were different kinds of offerings. And I can't name them all here, but there were voluntary offerings, free will offerings, peace offerings, sin offerings, burnt offerings, first fruits offerings, and others. However, with the death of Jesus, we see that he was the ultimate sacrifice for all of our sin. In the New Testament, we do not give for the forgiveness of sins. 
That price has been paid. That price has been paid. The hymn writer said, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Oh, but now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, because Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. And so, we do not give for forgiveness of sin, but instead we give as an offering of gratitude and love for what God has done for us. The New Testament is very clear on percentage giving. Number 15, that's right. On the first day of the week, let each one of you set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Second Corinthians 9, 7, every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't want anyone ever in this church to say, I don't want to give, but I know Pastor Eastman's going to be checking on me, so I'm going to, I got to give. But there's a nice Brand new quad coming up, coming on the market, and I'd like to get that one. Well, if you feel that way about it, get your quad. Get your quad. God will talk to somebody else. He'll see that his work goes ahead. We'll love you just as much you say, I'm thinking about getting rid of this old truck. She's three years old now. I'm going to get a brand new one. Got a few more whistles on it than that. We'll still love you if you don't have enough to give after you've made your payments. And you're always welcome in Cole Lake Community Church. But I think after what you've heard today, that's not good stewardship. Right? How can a church congregation do effective ministry without giving? Even if the New Testament was silent on percentage giving, why? would we give less than 10%? Stewardship is about our responsibility to God's invitation to discipleship, to be a follower of Christ. Worship team, would you come? Let's remember the words of our Lord. He said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. There are not too many churches doing that today. And we can't say, well, we're the only church that's doing that today, can we? Would you agree with me that according to Scripture and according to what Jesus said, we find ourselves seriously lacking? 
I would like to be that kind of a church that heals the sick and cleanses lepers, raises the dead and casts out demons again. Would you? We can be, you know. We're just one decision away. It's our decision, it's my decision, it's your decision. I've asked the worship team to sing that song. They've got it on the overhead, I think, as well. Freely, freely you have received. Freely, freely give. And that's what it is. God has given us all of this so freely. He's laid it out in his word so clearly. And the biggest obstacle to us not following that is that we have listened to people who should know better explain it away and come up with man's idea rather than what follow what God's word says. I'm going to tell you folks, whether it's healing for your body, salvation for your soul, finances, whatever it is, if you're going to go with something other than what the Bible says, you're going in the wrong direction. And until you get back to the Word of God, you're not going to experience what God has planned for your life. Oh, it's going to be good when we get to heaven. But we're not in heaven yet. And if you want it better here, then you had better get back to the Word. And I hope you still love me, because I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't bother to preach a message like this. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.